you got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, their to industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. Hello, Electric People. We are back and we're live and it feels amazing. It does feel much better. No more phone stuff much better. for the time being. Yeah, much better. Um, we're here with one of our newest, brightest, young sales leaders, Brian Labonte. What's up, Brian? What's going on, guys? Do people say me. your name Labonte? So it depends who you ask. So me, it's Labonte. My wife says Labonte. Okay. And I think Chance and them say Labonte. They posture? change it every week. Is there an <laughs> accent over the E? No, there used to be. I'm but sticking with Labonte. 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 Yeah, I've heard it all. Labonte. Lebowski. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, your story is really interesting. We started talking about it and decided to just roll the camera. But um, backstory. So one of our leaders in the high desert market, and I want to talk about high desert too, because high desert um, has become one of our most profitable markets, one of our most desirable markets to go to um, and sell. But it was, you've been here a year and a half, mm-hmm. right? Franchise rep, running a, a, a squad within the team and has helped the team kind of establish the dominance. You guys just won the bigs yep. uh, in your division. And it's been an incredible year since you've joined. But I was talking to Adam Cox before you and I had met, like before I had yep. heard about you or knew much about you. And he kept saying, you know how Adam's like, I'm telling you, dude. He just kept saying, <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. Like, I want to explain it, but I'm telling you, dude, this guy is good. Uh, and it's been really fun to see you come in and, 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 you know, add your expertise to the team. So welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. Why don't you give us a little bit of background on what you were doing before you came into Vivint Solar? Because your, your path before this was pretty different than a lot of the guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, um, I graduated college, civil engineering, and then had the desire to go into the construction field, right? Never had any desire to do design. Um, Is your family like a construction family or anything like no. that? No. Honestly, I didn't have a lot of direction. You know, my father was the first one to ever graduate college. I was the only one in my family to go to college. Didn't have a whole lot of direction on what to do. Started out pre-med, did a couple of things. Started out, then switched over to construction management. Pre-med to construction management. Construction management, as people do. right? Little, little wild, right? And then <laughs> as I did that, I, I wasn't challenged enough. And I was limiting my, my doors. I'm, I've always kind of lived by the mantra just to do whatever you can do to open up as many doors, right? So I switched over to civil engineering, extremely hard. It what didn't come natural to me. This is all in college? You went so from I, pre-med yeah, to I, construction management yep, to civil and engineering? And four different schools, yeah. yeah. Wow. Are these yeah. all East Coast? You're from Boston? All East Coast, yeah. So I was, it was all in Boston. So I switched over to civil engineering, never had a desire to do design work, but it just opened up more doors. And so that's what I did. So I just grinded doing that. Then I had, uh, this was right in 2010 when there weren't a whole lot of offers and I, I just, I was in the right, right place at the right time, ended up having several different offers and I was going to stay in Boston doing commercial construction and then just got this unique opportunity. Someone suggested joining this company. I just threw it out there and, and applied, heard from three months later and it, it was the, uh, it was Bechtel, industrial construction, never even thought about it, doing power plants and things like that. Yeah, so they do large-scale yeah. construction projects, but are they all jobs. energy projects or what? So m- not all of them. They do some transportation stuff, but then the division I was in was power. So it was all power plants, and then eventually I, I moved over to oil and gas. So it was a big leap of faith for my wife and I. We were married, you know, we got married in college 10 months in, and this job was taking us 
out of the out of state, right? So we worked in Boston for a few months, and we decided, hey, we need a fresh start. We need to go make it, right? Figure it out. So it took us kind of on a journey where we moved ten times in twelve years. So you're kidding me. Yeah, it was. It was that always like blows my mind when like you know, call them traditional jobs when they're like, hey, you got to move now. Yeah, and you just move. Yeah. Yeah, Ten times in 12 years. Yeah. So they, where, was, where did you move? Like, where were you living? So a lot of the times we were moving different locations in the same city because we'd get six-month stints on a project. Oh. So you'd have then to be there it got to delayed or the they project. added work. And so then, you know, we'd end up having to pick up and move, change leases, whatever else. So we were in Maryland for a couple of years. Then we were in Dallas for a couple of years. Houston was about five years, but we'd end up moving around there, just different projects and things like that the whole time before I finally came out here. That's a lot to ask, man. It was a lot. My wife, you know, she's, she held it together. Yeah. Were you guys moving when you had kids and stuff too? Or? Yeah, so we, uh, my wife, when we were in college, she had kidney pains. Thought she had something issue and she went in and she came home, she was pregnant, so. Kidney Wasn't pains. expected, <laughs> you know? So we had, we've had a kid in Boston, Maryland, Dallas, and in, uh, Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, five kids, four, four kids, four kids. Yeah. So it was good. So in the construction world, it was industrial construction. These are all billion-dollar-plus jobs, multi-multi-billion-dollar jobs. So extremely intense, working like crazy, six, seven days a week, nonstop, for good, good pay. Not good work-life balance. So you had to like be on the site, like making mm-hmm. sure that stuff was delivered and that people were like meeting deadlines and all that kind of stuff, or what? Yeah, so it, it grew to that, right? So eventually, you know, it was running the job, right? So I'd have different scopes, different portions of the projects. These are multi-billion dollar jobs, right? So I wasn't managing the whole thing, but whole scopes. I would own everything from, you know, procurement, material deliveries, to installation, to running crews, to running teams, to safety. It was everything. Like you owned, it was a project within a project that I, that I ran, mm. right? So very intense and construction world no, nothing's ever good enough but it was good it was it was <clears throat> some of the best work experience i've ever had i think you know the 13 years that i was doing that gave me about you know 20 plus years of experience it was just wow. really 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 tough work but it was it was good i loved it well you're pretty i mean you're pretty young to be i mean mm-hmm. isn't that world like traditionally like you kind of work your way up and like you earn respect on all these other jobs i mean is it is it abnormal for somebody as young as you to come in and like have project oversight with foremen and workers and supervisors and things like that? Yeah, 100%. So on, uh, in Houston, that's kind of when I, when I was given that opportunity. So me and, me and another guy were, I was probably about 28, 29 maybe at the time. And most of the guys that were running the project, you know, different phases of the project were probably in their 60s. And it wasn't going well. We we're way behind schedule. And this was, a, this was our signature job in the whole company. Like it was with Exxon Mobil, a client we haven't, hadn't had forever. And so it wasn't going very well. And they gave me and this other guy an opportunity to run about a, a quarter of the project. You have to go deal with like the roughnecks? You got roughnecks out there? Yeah, that was pretty tough, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I picture like the crew from Armageddon. Like you got to come out. And I, I don't think the crew from Armageddon would listen to a 28-year-old Brian Labonte. You know? Yeah, so it was tough at first, man. So like honestly, when, we got, when I got bumped up into that position, the respect level just wasn't there, right? Yeah. I was there you know, running the engineers at the time before that to now running crews. They didn't think I was qualified, all those things. So it took a lot of time and, and just thinking and planning to figure out how to get these guys to respect and listen to me. And so I've always kind of 
I knew I wasn't the expert. These guys were 100% the expert yeah. on how to build this thing. I just needed to bring everything together. And so that's what I really kind of modeled my leadership off of is <clears throat> hearing what my people have to say, hearing what their ideas are, right? I'm not the expert and I didn't come off to be that, right? And I think that's where leaders can get in trouble a lot is not listening to their people, right? Mm. So that's, that's what I did a lot of is just collaborating, bringing guys together, hearing their voice, and then putting together a plan that worked for everybody to get us to the, to the end line. But it, it, it took a few months to get to that point. Who was like the toughest? You got any like specific people that are like, I just picture them like putting like, we're not listening to this kid. Like, did you actually like struggle with it? Yeah, so I, 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 gained, I gained the respect out of my guys for the most part pretty quickly because I, I listened to them and I, I didn't come off cocky or anything else like that. I yeah. knew where I stood at that point. I knew how they viewed me. My biggest hardship was with, you know, because this, this project was split into quarters. My biggest issue were the two other construction managers that were in their 60s, wanted nothing to do with me, kind Old of cusses. trying to mess up my side of the project yeah. to make me fail since I took over their portion, right? They so, were like sabotaging. So, oh, like, yeah, yeah. It's, a good, it's crazy there. the things there's that There's a good do. old boys network. Yeah, you know, dude. It's they like, were like, who's this labella? Yeah. Like, yeah. So that one took about a year to mend. That one, that, that relationship took about a year. Yeah, that's got to be stressful. I feel like, I feel like if you're, I feel like people come around, like I've had situations where I've gotten a new boss mm -hmm. or like we've gotten a new CEO or whatever, right? And it's like when they just show their level of competency and then they're reliable and they're punctual and they're just like, they're just impressive. You usually come around on them pretty quick, yeah. you know? So is that kind of how it was? Like once they just realize like you're on it, you're sharp, you're listening to their needs, right. you're just adding value to their life, Yeah, they come around pretty quick. Yeah, 100%. So it's the respect factor, right? If you respect your people, the respect will be reciprocated, right? And I respected their knowledge, their expertise. They were doing that a lot longer than I have, right? I wasn't turning a wrench. I wasn't doing the things that they were doing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So I think when you respect that and you listen to them and you value their experience or what they bring to the table, then they'll, they'll eventually listen to your input as well, right? It's weird, too, because, like, the, the reaction is weird because they probably don't actually want your job. Right, no. like yeah. your job sucks. Like right. you probably paid well, but like, it, but they do want the respect. They mm -hmm. don't want you to come in and say this is how we're going to do it when they've been here for forty years and I know how to do it. But that's always interesting. The challenge because it's like you can want the same thing. Like it's not like hey, it's not like you applied for this promotion, didn't get it, and now you're mad at me. It's like you just want the respect and you want to be able to do your job. You right, know? and so that that that's. That's what helped, right? And I, I try to differentiate myself. I was always try to be the first one there, last one to leave. If I asked them to work on a weekend, I was right there with them, even though I didn't need to be there, right? Mm -hmm. Is getting in the trenches with them, watching what they're doing out there in the field, those types of things, I think really help establish our relationship and, and grow to, to one that actually ended up being very, very good, right? We, yeah turn things around quite a bit, so it's good. So what are some of the power projects that we know? We were talking about the Nevada project. Yeah, so the one, when you're heading down to Vegas mm -hmm. and you look over, you know, if you're coming from California to Vegas, you look over to the, to the west, see those big <clears throat> towers with all those hundreds of thousands of mirrors there pointing up at that tower, so that, that was one. Tell me how that thing works. I was driving by and I was telling my kids, and like the fun, like the fact that I always think it's just crazy, it was like the... The, the environmental aspect. Did you guys have to deal with the environmentalists? Like, because they were upset that the birds were getting like eviscerated. Birds, tortoises, have you heard about this? owls. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it cost us. 
we underestimated that that cost. It was multiple millions of dollars. So I want you to like explain the engine, like how it works because it's interesting. But the things that I've read and check me on this yeah. is, you know, it's like a big mirror, like it's like a big mirror thing that shoots power at the whatever. That's how it works. You've, you've but, articulated it very yeah. well. <laughs> the deal is this. Can you tell us what it is, Hold Brian? on. Yeah. As birds fly at the thing, they think it's water. And so when they go down towards the mirrors, they cross like the, the, the transmission of heat <laughs> and it like yeah. eviscerates them. They oh, like yeah. turn into like three feathers. Oh. Uh, so, so they it think was they're a, landing on water and they just yeah. go through and this. And they just, they're yeah. diving into a... Like a heat field yeah, of into like... A, terrible. An invisible fence. Blinding pilots uh, as they fly over, right? They avoid, oh, really? they avoid it now. So, yeah, so there's a lot of... Th- it, it was great. It was a signature <laughs> project at the time. There's a couple things we overlooked. You know, it was... It's <laughs> we right. overlooked yeah. the death of <laughs> trillions of birds. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's the it's, avian, you know, it's the avian, you it's know, true. death pool. That's right. Yeah, it was first of its kind. They had like three others that they were planning on building in California and... Stopped at after that one, but it, so basically, it's a solar. It's solar uh, panels. Is there a name the for it? People listening can he, like look it up. Uh, they're the project. Helios. Oh, the the project yeah. is Ivanpah. Ivanpah. Ivan so yeah. if anyone listening wants to like look at this project in YouTube, dying birds. Yeah. Ivanpah. You'll see it. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of things. There. So basically, it points up to the boiler up on top of the tower, heats steam, turns a generator. But they're mirrors, not they're mirrors. solar panels. Are there solar? They're panels. mirrors. Right, it reflects the sun, points the sun up to the top. So of the like tower. a magnifying glass, exactly. yeah, like on the right. concrete. <clears throat> exactly. So what it does is it, it heats up the water inside the boiler at the top of the tower, generates steam. I didn't and know then that's how it moves did it. the steam turbine. So then it's just after that, it's just a regular power plant. So the it's steam like geothermal, moves. right? That's how geothermal works, right? Doesn't it move the steam from under the ground and it turns like a turbine or whatever? Yeah, I mean, so that's all power plants. All power plants, you, a lot of them, right? You generate steam. That's what moves the turbine and generates mm-hmm. electricity. How you get there, whether it's burning fuel or uh, solar, heat, whatever it might be, combustion. That's how, after that, after you generate the steam, it's basically just a power plant. At that I feel like the way point. Brian breaks down a power bill in a customer's home is much different than the way we do. <laughs> That's probably it true. used to be. It's a lot simpler you, now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, the, first, the first couple months, yeah, first like, let really me tell you how your power <laughs> I mean, works. This is, this is what happens. He's talking about birds dying. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. So, I mean, so yeah. sun hits the mirrors. Mirrors so, shoot the light at the tower. Mm-hmm. Heats water, turns the thing. Bird flies in front of this like laser beam of light, and poof. Yeah, it's a big. Yeah, it's pretty rough. So yeah, so that's why they like, haven't built more of them. So. You have to pay for like. Uh, it's almost like if you're doing like disruption, right? Like, Wait, you have so to how, pay for like. So how do you? You guys, you said it costs a lot more than you thought. How does one monetize the? cost of birds dying and then you can well, so it's not the birds it. dying it, it's it's the relocation of all the tortoises and everything oh. during construction costs we had to mm, we had to mate is. them we had to do all these things you had yeah. to mate them <laughs> we had, Dude, was, you do everything as a project Brian, manager Brian, <laughs> Brian's got a full <laughs> tortoise mating like I love the idea pen, of like, like yeah. there's just a pen over there just that, tortoises. that's literally what it was you got a grumpy 60 year old coming up to you and you're like not now Sal this tortoise is in heat I've got to get this done he's like I'd love to I'd love to talk about the mirrors but I got some tortoises I gotta we're on a tight schedule here She's in heat. That's crazy. Yeah. But it's like if you disrupt a certain amount of land or an ecosystem, you have to relocate it or preserve it somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. Are you finding the tortoises? Were you just like stumbling into them? Biologists. So every, every project in California, and I've done a lot of projects out here. I was doing high voltage stuff with pg and stuff. But yeah, they have biologists that scan the whole land. And any time they find a tortoise, they relocate it to the mating pen. 
It's like the tortoise doesn't want to so. move, but if you're going to put him in a mating pen, all right. Yeah, he's like, they're okay. He's like, hey, ladies, <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to move. Well, I guess I'll move. Right. So you knew Adam Cox growing up. Yeah. And uh, you, that's kind of how you got into this side of, of, well, that's how you got into solar, right? Right. No, absolutely. So how did that happen? Yeah, so I've known, I've known Adam since he was a kid. You know, we, we were pretty close, especially in high school. Went off, did our own thing. He went out to Utah. Stayed in co- contact every, every few years. I knew he was always knocking doors. He never tried recruiting me or anything. Knew he was always knocking doors, and I knew that that's what I did not want to do. I needed to make good money, and so I, I, you know, I knew about where Adam was at financially, and I'm like, you know, I, I kind of looked myself in the mirror, puffed out my chest, like I can be quarter percent as good as Adam, was right? It, was it your ego <laughs> holding you back? Door to, I mean, door to door. You're coming from this like cool, yeah. prestigious, you know, yeah. job to this door to door world. Yeah. So no, I mean, I was in the construction world, so that 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 wasn't it. It was more so the future. I, I door to door. I, th- I, knew, I thought the best guys did two, maybe 300, right? Mm. And I thought that was a ceiling a year. And so financially and just with growth and everything else, it just wasn't enough. My ceiling was pretty high where I was, where I was currently at. It was going to be really good. And so that's what was holding me back, right? It was the growth aspect of it. I, didn't, I thought it was just, you know, I knew Adam was knocking doors in college and I knew he was still doing it. I didn't realize all the growth and everything else and leadership opportunities that were fully there. I never explored it, right? But that night, it just got me, got me thinking, and uh, I just knew inside. I knew that was it. That's crazy. Like I just. Knew it's that crazy that it. you seem to have been like somewhat searching for something, and that you, like I guess you knew yourself well enough and had the confidence to think, grateful for this job, but there might be more. So we'll, you run it by your wife. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't call her that night. It's you know, four in the morning. Yes, you're like, morning, I gotta right? tell you something, babe. Yeah. Babe. Everything's Honey, gonna hold be different. On. When you text. When you text your wife and you know you have something that you have to like run past her, is there a, just a, like, well, does she know something's coming if you ask a certain way or you start it a certain way? Like all of a sudden you're just like, hey, babe. She's like, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. What's coming? Well, it doesn't happen in text. That's for yeah, sure. It doesn't happen it's in text. It's a bad text. place. Yeah, so, yeah, that's probably wrong. So when I'm trying to get what I want, <laughs> I make it sound a lot worse than what it really is and then give her the truth right afterwards, right? Uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't hit as bad. Nice. No, so we got, you know, I got home. Talked to her, told her it was great, catching up and everything. And I said, hey, I, I think we need to look at this opportunity. And meanwhile, the weeks previous, she's sending me houses every day because we were planning on settling down, getting our you know, dream Texas? home out there in Texas, right? Which that goes a long way in Texas. Oh, beautiful you, get, you get like massive spreads Huge. out in Texas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so she was like, hey, let's do it. We flew out. I think it was two weeks later. My wife and I with, with Adam and you know, I went and shadowed for a couple days, went out on the doors, saw the meetings. Did that whole thing. Um, we get back to the hotel room that night, right before we're about to leave in the morning. We talk about it, and we both, my wife and I, were like, "This is it. We're doing it." Wow. I called Adam. It was like nine o'clock at night before I was supposed to fly out. I'm like, he. I was he, like, "Hey man." He doesn't take the call. I was no. like, Ignore. "Hey man." Ignore. Ignore. Yeah. He's like, he's like, no, we're not taking it. I was like, I was like, we're in. He goes, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "No, we're we're doing this." I was like, after the holidays, we already had some vacation planned for the Christmas stuff. He's like, hey, why don't you think about it? I'm like, no, dude, like, we're good. He goes, why don't, why don't you take some time? It's a big move. Like, he's like, he's nervous, right? Yeah. Because, you know. It's a, hey, it is a lot. And- when you bring someone on that yeah, has a life and a career, it, it's, 
you know, I, I think leaders deal with this. It's not always just sheer hunger to get the recruit. Right. Like, it's a big responsibility to be entrusted with somebody's like financial well-being. Well, you know what I mean? And all of us, especially in our in like higher level leadership roles, have had a couple of those not go well, right? So you, yeah. So you don't take these kind of situations lightly. Like, mm-hmm. if someone's coming from a very good job, like I know I don't anyway. You know, if someone's coming from just a a job that you know, like if it doesn't work out with us, they can get any time. You're like, fine. Like, there's no, it's like low risk, low re- or low risk, high reward. But this is like high risk, high reward. Yeah. So you definitely take. So I can actually see where Adam was coming from. I, I have a complete respect for it now. I yeah. get it now. At the time, I was like, dude, like, why aren't you? Why aren't you? You're, like, you're you the worst me, ever. Right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So he told me to think about it. We kept talking about it every day, and then we're like, "Wait, dude, are we like rushing this?" And my wife and I, we were just, we just knew it was right. Like, I, I can't great. explain it. So I waited, even though I knew every day after that, I waited maybe a week. And every day, I just wanted to call him, and be like, "Hey, we're still in, right?" But I waited a week, told him, I was like, "Hey, we're doing this, man." I was like, "You know, this is how it's going to work." I was like, "I'm going to go talk to, you know, we kind of finalized everything." And uh, we moved out. So this was like second week in December. And I came out third week in January, kind of part time. So I still had my other job, my other career. You're managing that. I had, I had, we had money put aside. We were ready to leave that job. And my wife, you know, she was in. She's like, "Hey, just give it like two months, just so we don't take away all our savings." And so we, uh, we ended up. Uh, I told my company, I was like, "Hey, I'm moving to California with or without you." I said, "I," and they're like, "Oh, you have a backup." I'm like, "Yep, I do." So they let me move out here because I had some projects I needed to offload and everything. So my idea was to be there for a year because at that time we were getting paid residual. Yeah, right? that's right. And so I was like, you know, we could swing it, but it, High it, Desert recruited I basically a lot had of like six months that. worth that I could get by without anything, right? Um, and so, so for the people that don't know residual, we used to make less per account, but we'd get some residual. So it was awesome six months or a year from yeah, now. Later it on, doesn't yeah. do you much good <laughs> when you're leaving a good job that pays you every other week. Mm-hmm. Right. So we were ready. So it was kind of a blow to me to keep that job. I didn't want to. I wanted to be all in, but we did it, and it was miserable for the first six I'm months. Sure. I was waking up at five a.m., working till about uh, two every day. Then I'd go do my power hour. I'd run up, go knock doors for five, six hours a day. Six. I was doing the six days a week. I told my wife, I was like, "Hey, you're not going to see me for six months," and so I did that. And I'd get home at 10, 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night, every night. And then I'd get back and do some work from my other job until about 11 o'clock at night. And I grinded for a while. And I was generating accounts. It was good. I was putting in all the effort, but it was just my balance wasn't there. Yeah. And that's what I did my whole career. That's a hard thing to do because, um, you know, a lot of times you start wondering... Well, did you ever wonder, did I make the right move? Was this the Because it takes time, and it takes more time than you think, even if you think you're planning for more time. You know what I mean? Yeah, so working both, I was 100% all in with this company. I was still doing my stuff on my other job. I was making, you know, I don't, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it all in, right? Vivint Solar was my absolute priority but I was still doing my stuff for my other career. So there was no backup. This was it. I yeah. made my decision. I was all in. There was no going back. No so matter how hard it was it. gonna be, I was gonna figure it out. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my mindset. And looking back, I left money on the table for those. I did it for the first, I, you know, my, my combine, my first 60 days was a little rough. I had some personal 
family things, like some big tragedies that happened two weeks after I moved out here. So it was kind of, I wasn't fully knocking for the first couple months just because of some things. But as soon as we switched to pay, or actually you gave a training, I think it was the hedgehog training, right? Yeah. Figure out your purpose. And I'd been mulling over for a couple of weeks. I'm like, I've already proven that I can do this. And so right after that, they announced the upfront pay. I put my notice in that day. Really? Yep. Put my notice in that day. And it's been this ever yeah, since. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to talk to you a year and a half later because, you know, your team just did, uh, you know, you guys are doing upwards of 250 installs a quarter. You mm-hmm. just won the bigs. Your franchise, so you're installing at least 25 a quarter. And High Desert, with the recent pay increases and the upfront, like, you couldn't have timed that better. But to see you now, a year and a half later, how do you feel like... I mean, I know you felt like it was the right decision to begin with, but do you have the freedom, income, the things that you were seeking? Yeah, this is by far the best move I ever made. Like, just, just with everything. Like, look, the, <clears throat> the purpose of me coming out here, right, wasn't just for the money. It really wasn't. Like, obviously, that's good. That's a part of it. But I just saw, so there was, I needed to be out here, right? And honestly, this whole job in the last year and a half, I've grown more personally, you know, professionally, spiritually, in my relationship with my wife, my kids, all those things, than I could have ever have doing anything else. Like, why this do you think job. that is? So this is so I run the combine group, new hires in our office, and so this is what I always tell them is that what I found out with this job is that I could have good days, bad days. I could get in a spat with my wife, whatever it is, in my previous career, but still get the job done, mm. right? And, and it just you you can just do it. You know, with this job. It exposes every single weakness you have. At least for me, it has, right? Anything in your personal life shows up on the doors, right? If you're having issues with your kids, your wife, your friends, or just vices or things that you're struggling with internally, it all shows up on the door because it's that energy. Because people have nothing to judge you by than how you look or how they feel when they're around you when you're knocking on their door. That's what they're judging you off of. And so that's what I found. And so what I realized is that in my previous career, I had such laser focus about this is where I want to be. I wanted to be a, a vice president in that company in X amount of years. And I just had that sole focus. And I was leaving a lot of things off to the side. I mean, my, family, my wife relationship was good and all there, but they just weren't getting anything of me. I gave everything to the career. And so I did that for the first six months, you know, nine months when I did this job and I realized everything was out of sorts and I was struggling mentally and everything else. You know, I was doing production because I was working, I was studying, but... I was letting things on the personal side um, suffer. I wasn't giving time to my kids, my wife, and all those things. And so every quarter, I would go into three or four-week mental funks. I'd still get out there and work, but it was like trudging through mud. So, I'm really interested in your rise into becoming a DM. Mm-hmm. And you started with us 18 months ago. Yeah. You were working two jobs, basically, distracted your first six months, mediocre combine. Yeah. by your definition, and all of a sudden you refocus, put in your notice. With By the way, it's always really cool to see um, whenever we make changes as a company, it's like you don't, especially in a leadership role, like you know it's going to have a big impact on everybody, but it's it's hard to like sort of imagine the impact that it'll have. So all of a sudden, a year later, to like hear full circle exactly how that change of changing the pay impacted, mm-hmm. especially one really good individual. Like it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and it, it, it attracts higher caliber people. Like the people that we work with now are just better because they were doing the, the opportunity mm-hmm. now, like you were saying before, had the ceiling been lower, you probably wouldn't have made the jump. But once it gets to a point where it's like, okay, high caliber people need to look at it. Yeah. That's what changes the business. But the other thing that I'd add to your question is you also relocated. So mm-hmm. part of our job is to recruit and you moved to a city where you didn't have a network. Right. I feel like a lot of people, when they come to, especially if they're being recruited by multiple companies in our industry, one of the knocks on us is that we're huge, we're the biggest company, there's not as much room for growth, there's a lot of established leaders. You went to a very established office, mm-hmm. one of our you know, first 10 teams, right, in the company, and with a very established DM group, all of a sudden, you're crashing the party. What was your mindset, um, and was that one of your goals? And if it was, just kind of what was your mindset to you know, kind of crash that leadership party? Right, so I mean, so I didn't have the intent of taking over. I'm always looking for growth. That's just, I, I love, really, what I love doing, and this is what Ty helped me realize with the whole um, exercise that he did during one of his trainings, that I love building other people. I love building teams. I love helping people become their best, right? So I went into this job, I quit in June, went, I mean, I was full-time already, but I was 100% all in in June. And then um, I just gave six months, I was like, I just need to focus on learning this inside and out, how to do this and just grinding. And that's what I did, right, for the next, next six months. And just fill opportunities where I could, right? We had some opportunities that we needed some help in combine. It was kind of struggling a little bit um, as far as organizationally and things like that, where I knew I had certain systems from my previous career that I thought would be helpful, right? So I would just talk to Adam and some of the other DMs about that and just fill it Before you had the role, you just saw the need. Yeah, and so just help out where I could, right? Knowing that I was green and everything else, but just in anything that I could do to, to help out and just focus on my personal production. Yeah. And then the opportunity <clears throat> was there. It came sooner than I thought it would. And you know, there was kind of some self-doubt that I'm like, man, I'm, I'm still new at this, right? And so that's where um, I just buckled down and I'm like, if I'm now gonna lead in the office, I need to know this even better, right? I, and so I just cranked up what I was doing. You know, um, I was just gonna add to this um, obviously, we had Zach Allred on a few months ago. He gave a training the other day to our, our leadership group. We call the Foundry on the East Coast. You guys call it Prime, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he talked about if, you're, if you have aspirations of sort of moving up in the company or in your team, that a lot of times, like, you can be really good at one thing, but if you're risky or you're a liability in any sort of part of, the, of your game, it can prevent you from moving up. So like when your DMs are looking at you and going, wow, he's taking initiative to offer ideas on the combine. He sees a deficiency, he's willing to help us. Um, But like, that's great, but it's also, you're looking at guys going, if I send a new rep out with him, is he gonna learn good behavior? Is he gonna learn good habits? Or is he gonna Mm -hmm. see bad habits? If he talks to one of my guys on the phone. Is he really positive about the office or about you know issues that we're having? It's like, it's like you you put yourself in a situation or you put yourself in a position where you were doing all the things right, but then you also were very low risk as well. You know, and yeah. I think a lot of our up and comers, they're just like, oh, I'm beating everyone in the office, 
but they're late to meetings. They don't come to meetings sometimes. They're a little bit of a loose cannon when they're given trainings or things like mm -hmm. that. And you're like, you've got to clean up this part of your game if you want to really be taken serious as a leader, you know? And so just talk, I mean, I know we don't know each other that well, right. but it's just obvious that not only did, were you doing all those things right, but you also were very low <clears throat> risk uh, for Adam and Ty, and, you know, these guys to, to bring you in. So it just makes the decision really easy. Yeah, we always talk mm -hmm. about being a clear choice and yep. pretty clear, you right. know, like, um, so talk a little bit about how your background, because the thing that you might not know, because I, I was just with your team, what was that, like a week ago? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're going through all of the teams on the West Coast are building these business plans and we're reviewing them and like kind of talking through them. It's been pretty fun. And the, the high desert business, it's full of these systems and they're, they're doing these really innovative things as far as like tracking input, not output. And like hearing you talk, I can see where a lot of that stuff has roots. And then you got a lot of combined experience yeah. in that leadership group. But maybe talk about how your, your kind of like engineering slash project management brain has translated a lot of those skills into the way that you guys run your team. Yeah, so, so in the construction world, you get a lot of people that come in with no experience, right? Little to no experience, but you're trying to still build this project without having any delays, right? That's kind of and a crazy so, idea, first of mm -hmm. all. It's like you could be building someone's dream house and you get like a guy that's never framed on the thing. Right. You know what I mean? No, it happens all the time. That's like yeah. what we do. We're trying to build this big business and we got these new guys and yeah. we're like, all right, buddy, I'm going to need you to be yeah. somewhat proficient here. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I, so we were building this oil and gas plant in, in Houston for for biggest oil company out there. Um, and so we started out real rough. The project was in shambles. We didn't have systems in place. It was just kind of old school blow and go construction and it was, this project was way too complex. And so that's part of what helped me rise in that, is that we would, in that, on that project, is that we would start implementing systems, right? New hire systems, right? Kind of like what we do now, right? Boot camps, getting people, just ba basically anyone that can come in, as long as you do your part and put in the effort and have some pride in your work, it's just plug and play. Like, you don't have to be the best, but we can make it work, right? If you do your part. So and you so, to have a new rig boot camp kind of a thing, right? People we had, know, we had, this is what we're building. This is your role. Mm -hmm. This is how to do it. This is your supervisor. With yep. the roughnecks. With the roughnecks, dude. And how to do that, right? And that's mm -hmm. what we did with the roughnecks, right? And so we would, we would go out there. We'd mentor them. We'd do all those things for the new hires. And then as far as like systems go and planning, I mean, we just implemented the system. So that's where like our group has really thrived together is that we're all on the same page as far as stop managing the individual and manage the systems. And if something's not working, then let's look at what we're doing as a leadership as far as systems go. So that's what we try to do in our office is just um, anyone that comes in, if they do their part, this can work out for them. So talk about a couple of systems you guys have done that have worked really well, because you have some cool ones. Yeah, so, so for Combine, right? Um, we have two extra meetings a week, but the main systems are, hey, hey first 60 days, you're all in, right? So close at least five deals in your first 60 days, work the hours, right? Minimum 20 hours a week, but if you really want to thrive, it's 25 to 30. So that right? sounds similar to how everybody does it, but how do you track the hours? So we use T-Sheets, it's an app. We make sure that they're working at least 20 hours in their hood every week. And which DM is managing the T-Sheets? So I do, I do, I run all Combine. So you have one specific DM who's in charge of Combine in your, in your yep. office. Dude, that's such a simple idea, but it's so awesome because to say, hey, listen, what's required of you at first is 20 hours minimum, and if they don't work 20 hours, what happens? Yeah, so if they miss that three times, then 
And they just the time. And then, thing. do you have mm -hmm. a, a special group chat for your combine that you're managing, basically? Right. Yeah, and I have a couple guys that help out in the office. But yeah, so they. Um, but what guys a post their guys post their T-sheet screenshots every day or week? Or so how I do you see track? it. So I see it every week, every Monday. We go over it. We, you know, celebrate the people you that have are hitting it. a special call with them, or is that like in the actual office? That's school? in the meeting. We we do an hour meeting before our office meeting every twice a week. Okay. So we meet with them twice a week. Yeah, it's cool to see because when uh, I've been going to this team, visiting them for years, and uh, the last time I was there, they'd blown out two walls to, <laughs> because they've... High Desert has yeah. never been the highest headcount team. Like, you guys usually have like 18 to 20, pretty solid. But when I went in there the other day, there was two whole new rows and they had to blow out the, the walls to make the room. And we started looking through the systems and... One thing I noticed is a lot of the people that were there the last time are still there, right? And then there's a whole new group of people that are having success due to the system. But just think, if you could just track, like right now we tell guys, hey, work 20 hours a week, but how do you track it? Most people don't. Right. Even the fact that you have a very simple system on an app that's already built to say, hey, this is the expectation, this is how we're going to manage, you have people rising to it, which is great. Right, and so the way we, because some people come in, they don't like the whole tracking of time, right? But we've made it a positive thing because it is, right? We basically say, hey, if you do these three or four things that we require of you in Combine, you will be able to do this job. Well, you'll now you guys have numbers, right? You like have the stats on it, right? Like you know how long it, how many hours it takes per individual. Yeah, so we measure our input, right? We can't necessarily always control how many ACs or welcome calls we're gonna get each week, right? It, it's, it's kind of hard to say, hey, I'm just gonna go get four, but we don't look at the input. So we focus on, all right, how many pitches are you gonna be getting out this week? Combine guys should be going 30, 35 pitches at least a week, right? Where they actually get far enough into the pitch where they But you think product, about right? it, if you're out six days a week, that's less than six pitches a day. That's it. Yeah, and you, you talk to more people, but do you actually get the pitch out, right? Yeah, I always, I, I call it a qualified door approach. So it's, it's like a door approach to the teenage kid obviously doesn't count, or, or the, the renter yeah. doesn't count, or... You know, it's like has to be a decision maker that could actually sign a contract. Mm -hmm. That's a qualified pitch. And you, you know? get far so, enough into it. So how many of those do you get a day? And if you can get six of those a day. Yeah, then... that, that, it will get you there. Because basically what we've measured is that for combine for new hires, they're typically 10 pitches for every one AC. Eight to yeah, 10, somewhere right around there. And so that's what we measure. We try to, the reason why we measure pitches AC than welcome calls is like, all right, what's your conversion? Which doesn't seem like that hard. It's like, guys, but most people get, don't know. Most, most people don't know that most number. Most guys are not getting six pitches a day and they're standing on empty doors for five minutes at a time, for three minutes at a time, and then they're, they're 11 to 20 minutes between each door they knock right. because they're walking slow or mm -hmm. just, in a, you know what I mean? It's like... And they feel like they've worked all day. You're like, just get six pitches as fast as you can, or it's, 10, and you're going to get an AC. And you can control that, right? Mm -hmm. If that means staying out an extra half hour or hour or working another day to get your pitch count, and then also hit your hours, it will work out. So they track pitch count. They have a scorecard. So guys will update like and track how many pitches they're doing. But that's one of the things they focus on as a team, which is really cool. Because you know, part of it is you can give the expectation and, and, and control, but there's a whole other mental side that yields higher performance because if you're going out and you're new and you're worried about I got to get a sale today well there's a lot of things that have to happen for that sale to happen mm -hmm. it's a lot of pressure and, too yeah well and yeah. The, you look at it and you're like I didn't get a sale today and maybe you're a failure or you see yourself as a failure 
if you say, hey, listen, the math says I need to pitch, I need 10 qualified door approaches given, and you only do seven, you're just not so hard on yourself. And you can control it like you were saying, where you're like, well, I'm only at seven, so let me get three more and then I'll go home. And that's where the extra ah is going to leave, but then I'm glad I knocked that last door. Well, the last door is number 10. It's not that weird. Well, the law of averages start working in your favor too. So say you don't get, say you go 0 for 10, you're going to go 2 for 10 tomorrow, right? So you'll still get your 2 out of 20 or your 3 out of 30 or whatever like that. Law of averages always wins. So, But when guys don't keep track of it, and I know your brother Jordan keeps track of all that stuff when he was selling full time. Mm -hmm. It just gives you more confidence too. Like as a new rep, and all of a sudden you start understanding your ratios, you're like, all right, I don't have to wonder if I'm gonna get a deal today. I just gotta go get 10 door approaches. Yeah, it demystifies, right? right? It's basically like, how is he doing it? Like, I'll bet you, like someone like you following you, like if I had the same mind as you, Mm -hmm. I could be like, well, it's not magic. Look, it's like Moneyball. This is how many pitches he gives. This is what his conversion is. This is a shorter day. There's a reason he didn't sell. This was a longer day. It's a reason he got two. And then you can be like, oh, you can almost see the architecture of the building, back to the building. So it gives you a baseline, right? So when I started it, it was in the summer, pretty much, right? When I really fully got going, is I had my hours. I would get out there at two, knock till about 8.30. And that's what I committed to doing. And that was my schedule. And I, there were some days that I wanted to leave at 7, 7.30. I just got a couple ACs, whatever it might be. But what I would do is I did what I said I was going to do. I would still stay out there till the time and work efficiently as best as I could. And that's how, and I've lived by that the whole time. I will always work my hours. Even if I hit my goal by Tuesday, mm. I will still work my hours. I'll still strive for my pitch count and get my pitch count in for the week, no matter what the number, how the numbers play out, whether in my favor or not. Well, and the reward is confidence, right? Mm Because confidence is just the collection of those personal victories, the win. Like, I said I was going to go out from 2 to 8.30. It's only 8.15. Then you stay till 8.30, and then you win. So your confidence goes up, right? Like, if you do that over and over and over again, you have the law of averages working for you. You have your confidence on your side. Naturally, your pitch and process evolves and gets Gets better. better. And, And the other thing that I think the mistake a lot of good sales reps make is they'll have a good week, but they sometimes forget that again the law of averages will sometimes balance you out the wrong way and you might have a week where you sell 10 and you're way above your averages but the next week you may just have an off week or you may have some weird family issue that comes up that prevents you from getting so it's like you have to always even if you get Mm -hmm. ahead of your goal keep going because the law of averages might bring you back down the following week so that's exactly it it's just just do your input do what you say you're going to do, and if you do that, I, th- I think it works out. Like At least that's what I've kind of mm. lived by. Well, think of it like a basketball team, right? Like, if you were, you're not going to say, okay, hey, you know, they're beating us by four, so we're going to get six, and then stop, yeah. because right. they could score more points, right? right? Sports, people do that. The other team wants to score more points than your team, Adam. That's how the game works, right? Really? Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> But same thing, I, I've been thinking of that lately because it's like people think that with money. They think, they think hey, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm trying to get it a certain amount and then I'm going to retire. What's the deal with that? Yeah. Like a lot of guys in their like early 40s, late 30s, mid, late, yeah. late 20s now are like, well, yeah, I'm just going to work for five years, then I'm going to be done. I don't get it. You're not. Yeah. It's like saying I'm going to get to a certain level of fitness and then just stop working out. Or I'm going to get... I'm going to get 90 points in the game and then I'll just stop scoring points. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, but I, I love the idea of saying... I'm committed to the hours and I'm confident the result will handle itself. Well, then you're not a head case. If you're so focused on the result, 
you get a lot of emotion. If you're focused on the process, you get a lot of just inner calm and confidence that comes from that. Right? What, was, what was the most surprising, hardest part about this job when you made the switch? So, you know, in the construction industry, it is the most negative, at least, you know, that's what I used to think, the most negative environment ever. No matter how good you do, there's more to be done, you're behind on something, and your praise might last for a split second, and then you're just back down, like, hmm. constantly. And so with this, you know, I came into this job being like, hey, I did the, I did the hardest job already. I can do this, right? And so it, it definitely helped overcoming a lot of the rejection. Um, but when I, what I was saying earlier is that for the first nine months, every quarter I'd get into these mental funks, just probably the negativity or, you know, just the rejection or you'd have those off weeks. And that was, the, that was hard to overcome. What helped get through it is doing what I said I was going to do. But it, it was tough at times. I, I remember calling Adam Cox and just telling him like, hey man, like I'm, I'm struggling this week. I'm still getting out there. I'm still working, right? Um, and the numbers did play out, but it was, it was just a tough mental grind. And that's what I didn't realize. And so my first nine months, I was all business, no play, no fun, none of those things. On doors or in life or both? Just in life, man. Yeah. I, was, I was working nonstop. I was working six days a week the whole time. I kind of told my wife like, hey, give me, give me this year. I just, I need to figure this out as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. And, and you know, the first um, nine months, like, so this is, it's 2020, so 2019, right? At the end of the year, I went on vacation for two weeks during Christmas and I, I just started looking at all my numbers over the last year and I saw my conversion was right around 33%, right, like right there. And I'm like, and I'm all about being efficient with my time. Like I am losing way too many accounts. So how can I do better at this job? And so in January, I kind of went through all the things that I needed to do to be more efficient, where this year my conversion rate is over 60 something percent now just by making minor wow. tweaks, but not by working more. Yeah. Right. And so that's what we kind of do in our whole office. This has been like Adam's whole thing is sell good accounts that are going to progress to install because everything else, ACs, all that stuff, it doesn't matter unless it goes to install. And so that's where we really focus. And that's what, um, that's helped me overcome. This job is last year. I just, I grinded it. I focused and everything this year. It's fun. Mm. I'm taking more time. I've got planned vacations every month, you know, with my family, we go out and do things together all the time, but I'm still producing. Right. Yeah, I think There's that's, balance there. Yeah, I think that's a really cool way to look at it. I think really efficient people employ time. Like you look at this and say, okay, I'm out there for the same amount of hours. I'm netting 33%. Mm -hmm. If I could turn that, I remember going through a similar thing where it's like, if I could turn that into 50%, it's not, but, the, but everything changes. Like one of the things I think the reason that it's hard, and tell me if you agree with this, but I think one of the reasons it's hard to start at this job is you have the basic answers, like it's new and all that kind of stuff, but the chemicals that course through your body are different mm -hmm. when you start doing this job. Yeah. You're dealing with fight or flight a lot. You're mm -hmm. dealing with extreme highs of getting a sale at a good commission. You're also dealing with the personal rejection. And at your previous job, your life experience was different because the drugs in your system, the natural drugs in your system are freaking different. Right. And so now when you're, when you're out there and it's like, 
my head hurts. I'm bummed out. Is this depression? I've never felt depression. <laughs> Am I the best salesperson in the world? Did I just go from depressed and to super yeah. job? Am I bipolar? Like, your job breaks down anyone, too. It does, but it's oh, like yeah. you, your body and brain and soul have to get used to how to manage that, and it's different. And I think, I think it's hard because a lot of times you come in and you're like, oh, well, if I could be 25% as good as that guy. But you got to understand, that guy's had that chemical makeup mm-hmm. and that, that experiential, like, like lifestyle for a really long time and it takes six months to get used to feeling that way and to learn how to like manage your levels you know no absolutely so i think we get we get a lot of new folks that come in all the time and they struggle with that because they're comparing themselves to the next person all the time but everyone learns at different speeds everyone's doing different things or has different life experiences where i think for people to be successful in this job is focus on what you can do right yeah great it, this job's not just showing up on the doors and knocking, right? There's prep that's involved there. And if you're doing those things and if you're managing your personal life as well, this job will play out. I agree. And, and I think anyone can be successful in it. Well, you're a great example of that, dude. I, I've really appreciated your approach to the job because it's the same principles applied with your life experience that, that's not just bettering you. Like when you first started, you were, you were growing fast and getting mm-hmm. praise. But now to see your squad growing, to see your team benefiting, you guys are hitting new levels. And I'm excited to see what comes next. So we try to we try to time these so that guys can get to their area and back. And we're about at that time. So yeah. fellas that are listening, go inside, high five your roommates and hug your wives. And let's call it good for this for this hey, episode of Electric Brian. People. Thanks, Thank guys. You, appreciate it. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.